What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 116. We'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode, Icon. Icon! Icon. Friends, we're an independent podcast. We're going to be making some moves uh, away from the Patreons, uh, more towards the websites. Uh, Zach will tell you where to find that uh, that goodness uh, in just a bit. But uh, of course, you know, hey, this is uh, this is a podcast. You can find podcasts for podcasts or podcasting. Uh, we are on many of the podcasty podcasts, uh, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, and Amazon Podcasts. Did I miss any? I don't think I did. And um, but you could do it right. You see, those are those are the easy ways, and that's fine. You know. So if I did notice, Brent, that you kind of stumbled over the Amazon, like like you were choking on it just a smidge, just a smidge, just a tiny tiny but, bit. But mm-hmm. it's not Elon Musk. No, it's not. It isn't Elon Musk. That's great. Hooray! Anyway, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the um uh you can find us on the the right way to find us so if you're listening to us on one of those other platforms that's okay that's all right that's okay but when you're ready to level up your podcasting game what you need to do is get yourself a podcast aggregator and then you can search for walking through the podcast podcasts walking through the podcast yeah i think i made that mistake <laughs> a year ago two years ago somewhere in there i've made it before walking through the stargate that's where you can type in you'll find our podcast you hit the little plus or subscribe or add or whatever and then uh the goodness will start to just magically flow into that aggregator whenever we release a new episode so that's that's the magic of podcasting right there so uh, my intro is remarkably short because we don't have much to tell you yet about the next big thing. Literally before we started recording, Zach and I were like, or I was saying to Zach, how about I just make some executive decisions? And he's like, sounds great. And so, <laughs> so that, that that's like direct quotes there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and so we'll probably be making some moves here pretty soon. But uh, in the meantime, <clears throat> if a person, Zach, wants to let us know. Yes, that uh, that they are curious about why I hate Elon Musk so much. Uh, they probably would get a response out of me, but how might they how might they reach out and, uh, and ask that question? So if you have a burning question for Brent, like mm-hmm. what did he have for breakfast or yes. why does he hate moguls with billions and billions of dollars? Mm-hmm. Yep. You can do that by emailing us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, which is W-L-K-I-N-G-T-H-R-O-U-G-H-T-H-E-S-T-A-R-G-A-T-E at gmail.com. Yeah, nice. Very good. You can also, um, you you can go to the Twitters. It you exists. Can. You can. It's not dead. It's well, not no, dead. I mean, uh, Brent, gonna... Brent is in the process of making another executive decision which yes. i support um we're going to probably be moving away from the twitters uh given uh the new realities of that platform and it's what's garbage platform. changing in that world um but the facebook page is going to stick around uh at least for now there's no plans for that to go away so you can go to facebook.com uh, and search walking through the stargate uh, in the Facebook pages and the groups and all of that stuff and you can hang out and do some fun things there. You can also go to the website which is wtts.space space or if you can't remember wtts.space <laughs> that's you for to say space again. Oh, oh, sorry. Space! There you go. 
Thanks. You can also sure. go to walkingthroughthestargate.com. That also gets you to the same spot. That's right. Um, and uh, that's where we are going to try to uh, migrate some of our more, uh, I don't know, stuff there. Supporty, um, supporty stuff there. Yep. Uh, and then, of course, you can go to the Discord. So this is the best way to get a hold of us and talk yes. to us um, uh, on the social medias. Uh, you can f- go to the website and find the link to the Discords. Yep. Everyone is welcome, regardless of who you are or yep. what your relationship to Patreon or anything else is. Yep. Um, and, of course, for right now, we do have still the Patreons. It's still there. It's still a thing. Uh, and we won't close that down until Correct. we're ready to make a migration. Yes. But we are working on that process forthwith. Yes. Indeed. All right. Brent. Yeah. This episode. This is the fifth episode of season eight of Stargate SG-1. Mm-hmm. It's entitled Icon. Uh-huh. Yes. And now is the time to talk about it. Let's get into this. Okay. First of all, this is directed by Peter West. Mm-hmm. This is his second of two directing credits. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe he directed Zero Hour as well, which is the last t- week's episode. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Um, the teleplay for this episode is by Damien Kindler. Ah, uh, yes. This is the first time we've heard his name this year, but he's mm-hmm. got five writing credits. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which is actually quite a bit in a series that has, a season that has 20 episodes. That's right. Um, he's right. We have several guest actors. That is, mm-hmm. it is 25%. We have several guest actors to talk about. Uh, the first one is Amy Sloan. Uh, she was, uh, she plays Lita Kane. She was mm-hmm. born in 1978 in Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada. Mm-hmm. She graduated from the National Theatre School of Canada in 1999. Mm-hmm. She's an actress and writer known for The Day After Tomorrow, The Aviator, and The Heartbreak Kid. Mm-hmm. Um, when this episode was, when they were filming this episode, she was working on another project and now I can't remember what it is, and I didn't get it written down. Um, but uh, part of the challenges of this episode in the filming was working around her schedule because she had only certain times available because most of her time was spent. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, so this made this episode challenging because, as you know, Richard Dean Anderson has a very limited schedule. Yeah. Uh, and so now you had two people that you were trying to dance around. Sk- mm-hmm. uh, Amy's first IMDb credit came in the movie Cafe Ole in 2000 mm-hmm. uh, when she plays Young Woman. Oh, I'm seeing how it's written. It's Cafe Ole, not Cafe Ole. Well, yes. Cafe Ole. Cafe Ole, not Cafe Ole. All right. <laughs> Shall I continue? You don't. You don't know what I'm saying, do you, Zach? <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna move on. It's a pun. It's a pun. It's a good pun. Well, I don't know if it's a good pun, but it's a pun. I love puns. Okay. <laughs> Cafe Ole is cafe with milk. It's coffee with milk. It's C A F E A U L A I T, and this is Cafe Ole, O L E. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Look, it's the little things, all right? I, I, I like the little things. You know, I am just glad that you are happy. I'm, I'm, yeah. And that, and that you find ways to laugh and chuckle at the world because everybody needs 
laughter. That's yes, and Lord knows I provide enough of it for myself. <laughs> hey, and and if you can provide laughter for yourself, you are even better off because now you can provide laughter even when there aren't people around, which is a great skill. This is a great life skill, Brent. You have <laughs> succeeded at this step of life skills. Hooray! <laughs> I need to get myself a trophy. <laughs> no, yeah, no, start with a sticker. A sticker. There we go. You know, a little, a little star. A little gold. Maybe star. you can make a chart of life skills, and mm-hmm. you know, you could put a little star next to the this part of the life skill. Yeah, makes makes self laugh. Sticker. Yes, there you yep. go. Yep. Um. So, <laughs> as one person who can make himself laugh to another person who can make himself laugh, we're going to continue. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, fine. <laughs> All right. Timothy Weber plays Commander Gareth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was born in St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. Mm-hmm. He's known for War for the Planet of the Apes, Seventh Son, and Cold Squad. Mm-hmm. He has over 140 credits on IMDb. Very nice. Which is a lot. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1978. In the short film, So Long to Run, when he plays Johnny. All right. All right. Uh, next, we have Matthew Bennett, who plays Jared Kane. Yeah. Um, and I have a mini biography that I need to... Okay. This is by Blue Rage Entertainment. Blue Rage. Or maybe it's Enterprises, or uh, I don't know. Something like that. Okay. It's Blue Rage Ent. Period. Blue Rage, Blue Rage, uh, Blue Rage tree person. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Born and raised in Toronto, Matthew Bennett switched schools in grade 11 to attend Northern Secondary with the intent of pursuing a career in graphic arts. It was there that he happened upon the theater program and quickly discovered his passion for acting and writing. Hmm. After taking a year to work, Bennett then went to Vancouver to start his formal training. Known mostly for his role on the critically acclaimed science fiction series Battlestar Galactica, where he played ruthless Cylon number 5, Aaron Dorrell, mm-hmm. Matthew Bennett has starred in over 150 hours of network television and received two Best Actor nominations for his work as Detective Len Harper on the award-winning police drama Cold Squad. Along with his work in TV, Matthew has appeared in over 30 films, working alongside such incredible talents as John Cusack, Edward James Olmos, Joan Rivers, and Academy Award winners Brenda Fricker and Sissy Spacek. Having lived in Vancouver for 15 years, Matthew now resides in his home t- in his hometown of Toronto. Very nice. Yeah. Um, so I recognize him most, like most people, as the silent Aaron Doral from Battlestar Galactica. Yes, yes. Um, I've actually uh, been rewatching Battlestar Galactica. It's like, hey, look at it. It's the guy. Yep. So there you go. I mean, he's right. Um, he's in the first episode of the of the miniseries. He is. He yeah. is. Uh, he's one like of the tour guide the. Or He's a tour guide at the very beginning of the show, mm-hmm. which, by the way, I know this is a Stargate podcast, but uh, that first section when they first see the Battlestar Galactica, there is like a three-minute um, uh, single shot yeah. uh, of, of that, and it just moves around the halls and into CIC and back yep. into the halls and everything, and it is absolutely astounding. They did. They did such a. I mean, like, yeah. BSG is by far. I need to rewatch that series. I haven't in quite some time, but yeah, they did such a remarkable job with that show. 
And yep. you know, I, I am I'm I, I am absolutely willing to also throw criticism at it. Uh, you know, Ronald Moore apparently had a, a single story to tell, and that was the promise. And it really did feel like that last season was rushing. Uh, trying to pull too many loose ends together. So, like, yep. you know, I didn't like how it ended necessarily, but yeah, it was. Oh, and Doral was at the end. He was in the. Wasn't he? Uh, no, well, he he's one of the Cylons. So, uh, unless he. I think he's probably. He's probably there at the end. I can't remember. I don't think. But I think at the end, 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 it was uh, not. You know, I'm not going to spoil it. Never mind. I know it's another yeah. 20 year show, but, you know, come on. Well, you know, Brent, if if we ever finish Stargate and we want to continue podcasting, we could always do Battlestar Galactica. We could, but I've seen it already. See, see part well, of the charm I, is that- I understand that it would totally change the nature of, but it wouldn't be walking <laughs> through the Stargate. It would be, um, you know, wandering the halls of Galactica or oh, something that, like hey, that. That's an idea. That's an idea. Um, anyway, but that that is that is for a time, dear listeners. Um, because I suspect that the listenership of Stargate and the, the 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 watchership of Stargate and the watchership of of Battlestar Galactica was is probably heavily overlapped. Yeah, that yeah, I would imagine. Um, and if this is something that is interesting to you, please tell us. Uh, but this is not something we're going to get to until after we this podcast. It's going to be a long time here, friends. Yeah, we got You're some be time. waiting for a while. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. Matthews. Oh, uh, one thing he did play the character of. Ted in the episode Point of No Return in, I believe that's season, uh, if I recall correctly, because I haven't looked this up, Ted is one of the, uh, like, like Point of No Return, we meet Marty for the first time, and Marty's got some friends from his home planet who are trying to stop him. And Ted is one of the guys, not the lead guy, but one of the background guys in that episode. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we saw him then, and we'll see him in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in 1991 uh, in the TV series Street Justice when he mm-hmm. plays Henry in the episode Legacy, Parts 1 and 2. Okay. There you go. We have James Kidney, who plays Soren. Mm-hmm. He is known for Upside Down in 2012, RoboCop in 94, and Bird on a Wire in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was looking through his IMDb credits, he actually has, uh, he's also in an episode of Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, hey! way back in 1994. Nice. Very nice. So, we haven't heard that name for a while. No. Um, but there it is. And... Now I'm watching my cat trying to navigate all the stuff on my table and not knock things over. <laughs> Good on you, Vala. Good on you. Uh, anyway, uh, James's first IMDb credit came in 1980 in the movie Head On when he plays Undercover Cop. Uh-huh. Okay. And then finally, I want to mention Leanne Adachi, who plays the rebel aide. She's the one that gets shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she is known for... The Invisible, Deep Rising, and The Day the Earth Stood Still. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is an actor. Of, she's an actor who was active in the Vancouver scene in the 2000s and early 2010s. Um, she'll appear in one episode of Atlantis later on, mm-hmm. and she'll be in several episodes of Universe oh, okay. when the time comes. Yeah. Um, and when I see her, I recognize her most as one of the characters from the TV series, The 4400, mm-hmm. which is a show that I tried to get you involved in. And you- yeah, I watched a little bit and I was like, yeah. Yep, yep, that's fine. That's fine. Yep. Um, her first IMDb credit came in 1996 in the TV series, The X-Files. Mm-hmm. There is an episode called Sanguinarium, and she plays the uncredited ER nurse number two. 
Aha. And then, of course, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that Gary Jones, Mr. Chief Master Sergeant Walter Harriman himself, yes. is also in this yes. episode. Very good. There you go. All right. So this episode originally aired on August 6, 2004. Mm -hmm. uh, number one on the charts in the U.S. was... Motion. Oh. Uh -huh. By Juvenile featuring Sulia Slim. Soldier Slim. Soldier Slim. I can't... I don't know. It's okay. I, you know. It's but anyway, okay. yes. apparently they were going in very slow motion. Um, in the UK, they were listening to Thunderbird slash 3AM by Busted. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, when things get busted, there is always collateral oh. damage. Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, if you bust something, then you get to pay the collateral. Um, uh, and, and of course, oh, this all happens in a village. The village. Okay. And, uh -huh. and, and in the village, there is a man named Born, and he is the supreme person. So this is the Born uh -huh. supremacy, right? Yes. Uh, and then the Born supremacy, he's an action star, and he's got to fight somebody. So he's going to fight the Manchurian candidate. Okay. Um, uh -huh. And, and sure. this is all because he's looking for the little black book. Oh, is that how it is? <laughs> there you go. Okay. Maybe the little black book was the collateral. Yeah, that, oh, it all comes back all around. Comes back around. That's right. Yes. Yep. All right. What was happening at this point in time? On August 3rd, uh, the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty reopens after being closed since the September 11, 2001. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, on August 6th, the day this episode aired, the American funk musician uh, Super Freak dies of pulmonary uh, failure at the age of 56. Mm, okay. Um, and on August 7th, Cubs pitcher Greg Maddox enters the history books with, with his 300th career win in the Chicago Cubs 8-4 triumph over the San Francisco Giants mm -hmm. at SBC Park. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then on August 8, John Elway is inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have some trivia for this episode. Are you interested? Sure. Yes. I All right. Uh, so the rifles being used by Kane and his men are M1 Garands. Uh, this was the rifle carried by most U.S. combat troops during World War II, Korea, and into the Vietnam War. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, the M1 was a semi-automatic 30... Uh, 30-06. caliber rifle uh, that held eight rounds in a clip, which doesn't seem like an awful lot, but hey, there you go. Mm -hmm. uh, when the last round apparently was fired, the middle clip would eject from ping. the thing, ping, and a very distinct metal, metal, metallic sound. Yes. Uh, and of course, everybody would know this, and they'd hear it, and they're like, oh, he's trying to reload. Let me shoot him now. And so then you got that, uh, you know, uh, uh, cat and mouse things. I said, well, let me just drop something on the ground to make you think that I'm reloading, and then I'll shoot you. Yeah. Going on. Smart. Um, there you go. So, uh, the home that was used for the Kane house uh, is Foxglove Farm uh, in the township of Langley, British Columbia. Uh-huh, okay. And it was actually used as the house in East Germany in the episode The Gamekeeper. So, hmm. remember in Gamekeeper, Jack goes back in time into 1982 and he's trying to uh, storm this yes. East German facility. Yes. Um, this That's is the, the house, house they used for that. Yeah. 
So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, it was also used for the Cress House in the Outer Limits episode Sand Kings. Okay. Uh, and the name Caledonia uh, is the name used for the rival nation, and it was also the Latin name used by the Roman Empire to refer to part of the of Great Britain that lies north of the River Forth, mm-hmm. which includes then most of the lands of Scotland mm-hmm. and such. Yep. Um, and, of course, Caledonia is also the name of a town in Ontario, Canada. Yep. And a song sung by the Tannehill Weavers. That's true, too. Uh, so, this episode, in the title in other languages, uh, the French call it Fire to the Powder. Yeah, okay. Um, which is a part of a French saying that uh, uh, it's like it's the straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. That's kind of the meaning of, of the French saying, and Fire to the Powder is, is a part of it. The Fire to the Powder causes things to explode. Exactly. Yeah. And they go boom because that's boom. what an explosion is. Yeah. Uh, the Italians call this episode the promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Spanish and the Hungarians call this episode icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Czech call this episode in the name of faith. Yeah. And the Germans call it Soren. <laughs> who? What? Who? And what is the icon here? Hmm. I don't know. Oh, it's Soren. Ah. It's, it's Soren. It's Soren. Just let it's Soren, not the ring. Soren, not Sauron. Not Sauron. Soren. Soren. That's funny. All right. Uh, are you ready for the synopsis? Yes. Let's Full disclosure this. here. I didn't get the synopsis all edited, finished. So when I get to a point, then I'll just kind of like punt. <laughs> we'll he's see gonna, what happens. He's going to rumble down the field for a little bit and then pin the defense in their own five yard line. I'm going to try. Okay. <laughs> all right. So Daniel wakes up badly injured. His nurse, Lita, unwraps the bandage covering his eyes. They can finally look at each other with their own eyes. But Daniel is not on Earth. He's on the planet Tegalus, which is technologically similar to Earth in the early mid-20th century. As Daniel wakes, he begins to remember, "Uh uh-oh, something bad happened. They are now many miles from the city in the house that once belonged to Lita's uncle. And Jackson believes that everything is his fault. Flashback to three months ago. The SGC sends a MALP to Tegalus. Of course, at this point in time, the Stargate on Tegalus was set up as a monument outside a museum that was believed to be a ring built to honor the ancient gods. And when the MALP comes through the Stargate, it startles uh, quite a number of the tourists. Impressive. Sometime later, SG-1 steps through the gate to meet the representatives of the Rand Protectorate, which is one of the two major nations of Tegalus. The representatives include Commander Gareth and his chief aide, Jared Kane. Carter apologized for scaring the tourists, but they hope to build a strong relationship as time goes on. Gareth agrees and wants to know everything about the Stargate, and Carter responds that this is something they can work on in due time. We also learn that there are religious fanatics who still hold to the beliefs of the old gods, but they're just crazies who haven't accepted our enlightened way of thinking. Gareth voices some concern that the Stargate's activation may ignite the fervor of those fanatics. Back in the present, Lita continues to tend to Jackson, and the budding romance that goes nowhere continues. <laughs> Lita says she should leave, but Daniel wants her to stay. 
two months ago. SG-1 are briefing General O'Neill in the briefing room because that's where the SG teams briefed. Yeah, that's by definition. Yes. Well, you know, and this is the briefing room. <laughs> I have noticed, the by the way, briefing. sorry, that many, uh, many, 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 many times the room that they leave from is called the gate room by a lot of people all the time. Yes, and Each true. time I think to myself, it's the embarkation room. Because that's where they embarked Embark. from. And we're anyway, <laughs> we're walking. Tegalus has two major powers that are locked in a cold war. Huh. There is the Rand Protectorate with whom they met and the Caledonian Federation. They both have missiles that could wipe out the other side. Brent, does this sound familiar at all? Uh, well, how did Carter phrase it? Uh, depressingly familiar. Thank yes, depressingly familiar. Uh, not unlike several dozen episodes of SG-1 already to this point. There's dozen might too. be ex- over-exaggerating, but... But anyway, and then there's Soren. He's the leader of the religious zealots, and he's managed to garner a lot of support and brought the fundamentalist factions together under his own banner. And he might make things messy if things don't de-escalate. Yes. Note, the zealots believe that the gods will return one day, and the gods they speak about are the Gua'uld, though they don't believe that the Gua'uld are bad, evil gods. They think no. they're great, wonderful gods. And, yes. And, you know, don't, don't try to... Anyway... After listening to the briefing, General O'Neill doesn't believe that any of this is really their problem, but Daniel advocates for helping these people. The heightened tensions wouldn't be there if they hadn't visited them. Oh, Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, Daniel. Not everything is actually... (laughs) He thinks it is, though. (laughs) I I understand he does. I'm just saying it's not. (laughs) Anyway, O'Neill finally allows Daniel to go help the people of Tegalus, but to be cautious and to get out quickly if anything gets squirrely. In the present, Jackson is on his feet again, despite Lita's protest. Oh, don't worry. It still hurts. He wants to know what has happened. He's feeling a little fuzzy on the details. It turns out Jared Kane is Lita's husband. Oh, that budding romance that goes nowhere is getting an added wrinkle now, is it? Yep, yep, that is that is true. And she feels best that he would that she feels that it would be best for Jared to answer Jackson's questions after he has finished searching for survivors in the city. Jackson wants to return to his home, but that's now impossible because the religious fanatics have seized control of the gate, and now rebel patrols are patrolling throughout the whole region. Yes. No one is safe. That's what patrols do. Patrols patrol. That's right. Yes. Meanwhile, Carter and Teal'c return to the, embark- return to the embarkation room mm-hmm. after having met with Soren. And, of course, that wasn't a very helpful meeting. They tell O'Neill that they were only allowed to see him for 15 minutes after a wait of several hours. Soren's coup has been successful, and he is now in control of the Rand Protectorate. Well, darn. And Soren is not willing to allow them to search for Jackson, though he does claim that he would look into the matter. Mm -hmm. As of this moment, they do not know if Jackson is dead or alive. Mm Mm-hmm. Six weeks prior, Jackson arrives at the bunker and learns that the Rand Protectorate is at a high state of alert following civil unrests, largely by Soren's followers, because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Rand Rand forces are now attempting to, quote, pacify the areas Soren has taken control of. 
And of course, the Caledonians are really skittish about this whole mess. And they're upset that Rand never gave them access to the Great Ring. And they're scared that Soren will take control of Rand's missile silos and launch an attack on Caledonia. It's a big, fat mess. Yeah. Back in the present, Jackson has spent several days on the radio trying to make contact with Stargate Command to no avail. Lita pays a visit and persuades him to stop for a while to get some fresh air. Yeah. As they walk. Can we just skip the whole room? <laughs> nope. It's a part of the episode. Dang it. Lita asks how Jackson can be sure that Soren is wrong. He merely explains that the gods Soren reveres are known as the Guawuld, a parasitic alien who uses intimidation and fear to rule other worlds, and they are certainly, most definitely, not at all, not even a little smidge, benevolent. Nope. Not at all. The Tauri has even fought and killed some of them, which I guess is a good thing. Uh, Lita assures Daniel that she's glad that he arrived, that despite what's happened, Earth's arrival was a good thing, that a war between Rand and Caledonia was inevitable anyway. But Daniel's existential need to accept all blame upon himself prevents him from admitting that Lita is right. <laughs> Yep, that's it. That's our Daniel. That's our Daniel. In Stargate Command, Carter and Radar have been trying to reach Jackson via the radio without success. Soren must be jamming the radio waves. And I have a question. Is that raspberry or strawberry jam? I would prefer strawberry. Oh, well, okay. But it's Soren, so it's probably like... like it's probably like... like like current or something. Yeah, something gross. Anyway, <laughs> Soren is a jerk. <laughs> Boo, Soren. Boo. Anyway, finally, after listening to a whole bunch of stuff, O'Neill decides that it's time for him to talk directly with Soren face to face. Yep. On Tegalus, Jackson wanders outside the house and is held at gunpoint by an armed man. Oh, no. Don't worry. It's one of Jared Kane's men and everything is fine. Oh, Nothing good. Nothing to worry about. Perfectly fine. Anyway. Inside, Kane fills Daniel in on what's happening. Soren's people have taken control of the whole city, and it's very difficult to get in or out of anywhere, at least until the script says that they need to, in which case everything is a piece of cake. <laughs> See you later on in the, the episode. exact same door they left in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You'd think that they would do something with that door? Yeah, nobody noticed. Everybody yeah. thinks it's just a closet. <laughs> Yeah, okay. With a ladder. Daniel <laughs> does thank Kane for saving his life, but Kane says that Daniel actually saved his life. So, a few weeks ago, Jackson returns to the bunker, but is stopped by Kane, who tells him that he should not be there. The rebels have taken control of most of Rand's major cities and are closing in on the capital. In response, the Caledonians have readied their missiles in case Rand falls to Soren's, Soren completely. Caledonia is not convinced that Rand can fix their problems. And then the worst news that could possibly be happening comes. Daniel, it's all your fault. No, 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 that's not it. <laughs> Soren's forces have taken control of at least one missile silo. Oh, no. Caledonia goes into action. They launch their missiles immediately, but only to take out the missile silos of the Rand Protectorate. We're just trying to protect you, my evil enemy Rand people. Don't <laughs> fire back. This is for your own uh, good. This is for your own good. I'm, I'm, anyway, Armageddon has now arrived. 
Kane tries to get Jackson back to the gate, but Soren's forces prevent that from happening. <laughs> Kane uh, gets shot in the leg. Ow! Oh, no. But they escape the bunker. Hooray! But Jack is injured. Jackson is injured. Boo. Boo. Okay. In the meantime, Soren has arrived at Stargate Command to talk with Carter, O'Neill, and Teal'c. Soren reveals that he has renamed the Rand Protectorate to Avedon, which he says speaks more to his people's beliefs. Teal'c explains to O'Neill that Avedon is a word in ancient Gua'uld dialect meaning the gods are just, but we all know that the gods are not just. No, they're arbitrary. They are, yes. On Teglis, Jackson realizes that Soren is still using the bunker as a command center, and this mean means that he has not consolidated his power yet. So there's still a chance. You're telling me there's a chance. They could still retake the button bunker, but Kane only has a dozen loyal men, and it would be suicide to go after a bunker like that, because, of course, there wouldn't be an easy access hatch that no. is being unguarded to Correct. in and out. But, you know, hey, you know, anyway. He also knows that Jackson has been trying to contact Earth with no success. Uh, they just have to accept the fact that Soren has won and Rand belongs to him now and try to make the best of a bad situation. When life gives you lemons, throw them back at it. Yeah, when life gives you lemons, you can make lemonade, but you better have a lot of sugar. Yeah, you know, my, my favorite version of that is life gave me onions. Onion age sucks. <laughs> <laughs> when life gives you lemons, you make a grenade. <laughs> okay, so Soren is admiring the view of the Stargate from the briefing room as they begin their talks. And uh, when Soren mentions that the struggles were to defend his people's way of life, Tilk speaks honestly. Not holding back at all. Well, okay, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Telling him that he merely killed those who believe differently than him. Carter gives Soren an offer of aid. I'll give you food. I'll give you medical supplies. I'll help you rebuild your infrastructure. And in return, you'll allow us to search for our friend Jackson. But Soren says, I don't want no medical supplies. I don't want no food. I want guns. I want to be able to blow up my enemies. I don't really care if my people starve in the process. It's just God's Sorry. will. It is. <sighs> oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Besides, uh, Soren needs the guns so that he can uh, continue to disseminate his message and purge the infidels. Mm -hmm. By that, he means the uh, Caledonians. He's got to attack the Caledonians because, you know, the Armageddon War of Destruction that killed, you know, it, anyway. Anyway. All right. Back on Tegelis, Daniel approaches Lita to tell her to convince Kane to take back Return of the Bunker. Yes. So the girl that you apparently want to date, I guess, he doesn't really show that kind of... Anyway, he's like, totally talk to your husband, which... Is somebody you're struggling with because, you know, you're trying to date him? Anyway. <laughs> Daniel approaches Lee to tell her to convince Kane to take back, uh, to go to the bunker and take it back. Lita tells him that Kane is right. At this point, Lita reveals that she is, has feelings. She is saddened at the thought that Jackson will leave once 
uh, they retake control of the base. So we can't do that. You're just going to be stuck here. And if you try to run away, I'll break your... <laughs> that took a turn. <laughs> Whoa. No, suffice to say, she doesn't do that. Uh... Oh, uh, so blah, blah, blah. Kane's dead. <laughs> Not Kane. Gareth is dead. Are we in the spot where you didn't write this? Oh, th- th- this, this, this is, oh, yeah. So, uh, Brent, if you scrolled up to the little line there, this is the spot where I'm in uh, the the uh, synopsis from the website of Stargate Fandom or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. now I'm, I'm, you know, messing you're, with it. Yeah, you're editing on the fly. I am back on Tegalus. Um... Oh, no, no, we read that paragraph. Um, <laughs> she decides to go talk to, to Kane, but he doesn't really listen. Nope. Uh, Carter and O'Neill and Teal are in General's office where O'Neill thinks that Soren is a waste of time. I mean, I mean, talking with Soren is a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the former might be true, too. It might be true, too. Yeah. Um, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Let's try to figure some things out. Uh, Lita then speaks to her husband, but Kane's d- decision has been unchanged. And he's like, yeah, I totally saw you oogling him. And if I could have changed the last few years, I totally would have. But it, now is not the time for regrets. We only have to just survive in this apocalyptic space. Yeah. Lita says, Jared, I trust you. Back at Stargate Command, Soren no, continues no, to talk. No. about She doesn't oh, say no. that. No. Oh, no, 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 no. She, she trusts... Uh, Lita's only answer, she trusts Daniel. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I totally trust Daniel. He's, yeah. he's, a, he's a good guy. He's totally a nice guy. Back at Stargate Command, Soren continues to talk about his gods and how his people are waiting for their inevitable return. O'Neill and Teal'c then tell him that the gods who they worship are bad and that they will reward their faith with enslavement. But uh, Soren's like, you cannot convince me of that. I cannot be swayed from my beliefs. Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, uh, he goes back, and then they do something cool with the radios, and so that the, they get through the jam. Apparently, I don't know, they, they, they no longer have to worry about the jamming. And then, hey, hi, it's Daniel. <laughs> Daniel gets to talk to the guys at SGC. And Daniel then begins to talk in a weird English hybrid language that is, it's like, seriously, Daniel, you couldn't, like, mask that a little bit better than that anyway anyway uh daniel then provides in coded gua wooled a tactic about attacking something from two sides mm-hmm. we call that flanking yes anyway uh so carter and o'neill and teal return to the briefing room and translate everything and have a very detailed plan which is impressive given that daniel can go uh blah 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 no blah, blah, here's a random gold word blah 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 here's another random anyway anyway uh so sg1 is going to go with sg3 6 and 12 uh into the facility and they're going to attack the bunker through the gate and Kane and Jackson and his troops are going to attack the bunker from the surface and they're going to meet in the middle and and all of this is successful. It happens uh, and then eventually Soren gets, you know, like his people are like, we're going to lose. And one's like, maybe we should give up. And then he shoots one of his people and she dies. And, And everybody's just like, dude, you just shot that lady. Okay, let's move on. Have fun. Mm-hmm. And then Soren's like, let me show you how this is done. And he walks out and he's like, hey guys, I have a gun and I'm Soren. And then they just shoot him. And, and, and then the day is saved. 
The Great. end. The end. Okay. Are we done? <laughs> yeah, we're done. Okay. So, Brent. Yeah. Icon. What yeah. did you think of this episode? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so, uh, uh, let's see here. <clears throat> uh, I... I think I like this one more than you did, but I don't think that that's saying much. <laughs> um, I found myself, so I was a little frustrated with how the story was uh, cut and told in the first two thirds. Mm-hmm. Um, the flashbacky thing. I don't know what has been up with me re- lately with flashbacks, but I'm just like, gosh, quit it. Cause it's, it's, it's borderline pointless. Like, I get it. They wanted to set up the tension right away. And the tension was Daniel is stranded on this planet. But but then they told this a completely different story, which was a geopolitical one. And I love geopolitical stories. And so I found myself caring a lot about what about the story. Like I was, you know, I was I was even though at no point was there anything um, unexpected. It was genuinely like, oh yeah, okay, and then this, uh huh, okay, and then this, uh huh, yep. And I was, I was along, I was, I was, I was, I was engaged. Um, the the budding romance, uh, like, I it almost took me by surprise when it was kind of like genuinely revealed to be a budding romance, not because I wasn't picking up on the signals, but just because it was like, like. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, I guess that could be a thing. Um, and <laughs> I, I mean, I know, I'm not sure exactly what I mean by that other than to say that while it was very evident that there was a little bit of like chemistry between these two and while later, like after Kane came back, somehow I kind of put it all together. Oh, right. You are Kane. You are Kane. Got it. Okay. You guys are married. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. And then she's still, she's still feeling emotions. Um, that didn't really bother me all that much, um, all things considered, but like it did feel pretty superfluous. Um, it didn't, it, it had absolutely no bearing on the story at all. Uh, it Mm -hmm. didn't change Kane's decisions in the end. It didn't change Daniel's decisions. It didn't change, it didn't have any impact on anything at all. So like, why, why was that there? So there you go. Fine. They, that was there. And then like, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like compounded that they had to like do cartwheels for this episode because of that guest actor's schedule, like her schedule. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for like, that tells me that they really wanted this role to be in there. And it's like, Hmm, why not for any particularly bad reason? You can still have her in there, but like, what she brought to the story didn't really seem to add anything. And so it's like, eh, that's weird. Um, one thing that I'm starting to get a little bit, a little bit annoyed with is that I want more SG one. Dang it. Like, like granted, this is only what the, this is the fifth episode of the season so far. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the composition of SG one is, is, is made is, is absolutely changed with the, with the removal of, um, O'Neill, as a part of it, but like this was, there, there was a lot of Daniel and that's okay. And there was an middling amount of Carter. Okay. I'd like more, please. And I've just been noticing this, like there's been no Teal'c. Like he'll say something sometimes, but it's, it's like, 
his screen time the past several episodes have been measured in like single digits, it feels like. And it's like, come on now. Give me give me some give me some teal. Teal's great. Like why 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 not have why not have some more teals? Tealisms. Like some tealness. I will sweet. say, Brent, that there are going to be some episodes, uh, several episodes coming up this season that are going to focus heavily on Teal'c. But I want the team. I understand. Like, I got a Daniel episode here. I want the team. Got a Jack episode last time. Um. Anyway, uh, so getting it back to this episode. So what did I think about this one? Um, I thought this was a pretty bonk-bonk allegory for Afghanistan. Now, I don't know if uh, that was intended to be quite so bonk-bonk, and I don't know if other viewers thought it was as bonk-bonk, but for me, it was just like, okay, fine, you've got two major powers, so you have this allusion to a Cold War, but oh wait, the twist is that one of these powers is overtaken by uh, extremists and terrorists, and uh, they take over the government. And then there is this military response from a not not the United States to, to be like, well, we got to protect ourselves. And then there is this promise of intervention, this interventionist promise that Daniel keeps making and that people keep believing in that. And that SG, the SGC nominally like starts to facilitate. And that felt like carbon copy what had happened with the American intervention in Afghanistan, like like. Religious religious extremists take over the government. Uh, there is uh, a d- general like world worry about what that means for stability within the region. The United States takes a very strong interventionist uh, stance on the thing and then goes in with the promise of like, we're going to rebuild things. And of course, this episode was in 2004. And... Lots of us in 2004 were 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 kind of shrugging our shoulders. Like, I mean, sure, if we're going to be the world cops, that means that we've got to be the world rebuilders. That the reason why World War II looks like such a success story is that the amount of money that the United States spent everywhere in the Marshall Plan was humongous. Like that, destroying a place and then walking away and profiteering off of it does not create stability. Like, you know what I mean? And then mm-hmm. 20 years later, we're we're you know we're looking back at it, going, yeah. Didn't do a dang thing. Like, all it did was just kill a lot of people, break a lot of things, and make a lot of enemies. And a lot of friends that we then abandoned. Hooray. Go us. Um, but this was 2004. And so, like, like it, so for me, it felt like a very strong um, story that says, hey, shouldn't we be, or that says, isn't it worth considering trying to be interventionist with this stuff? Like there are real people in the real lives. And then there's, then there's the, 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 the opposite view, which was vocalized, which is that, you know, we don't, you know, you don't have to, it can be their problem. We, you know, it doesn't have to be our problem. Yes, but we started it. Yeah. Then we're into the whole, like, you know, everything's Daniel Jackson's fault. And so the allegory, well, I think it was pretty strong. I don't think it was very well done. And so there's too many like pieces in here that kind of confuse the allegory so that, like I said, there's the two major superpowers and they have weapons trained against each other. And that's totally a cold war. I mean, like they say it, they say it, they're locked in a cold war. Like that's, that's therefore the United States and the Soviet Union. Right. But then one of the sides gets taken over by zealots and uh, there's a uh, a catastrophic uh, situation that arises as a result 
and but the whole thing can be toppled by like a special forces strike. Now we're talking about uh, the Afghan Afghanistan, uh, you know, two thousand three, two thousand four way of looking at things. Also, the Iraq two thousand three way of looking at things. Like, like it's actually not as strong as you think, and we can actually take this thing out with a pretty precise strike. And then there we go; we don't have a problem anymore. I know I'm looking back at it, never having liked those ideas when they were first trotted out, and I don't like them now. And I'm just like, yeah, that's not how it works. So, <laughs> I, you know, like Zach, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to this planet. I don't think we will. And so here I am with another episode of Stargate, which is like just it's 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 moralizing. It's it's or that's probably not the best word. It This episode is beaten on a pulpit that is and they don't do a good job of it. Um, They 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 beat on the pulpit of like, shouldn't you know, let's consider the consequences of interventionalism and, you know, and let's look at it from the lens of the people that need to be saved. Bang, bang, bang. And yeah, we can absolutely take out a bad guy. And you know, Cart or uh, Jackson says it at the end. You might have created a martyr, and that's yeah, that is a piece of the puzzle. But more to the point, like, like when you create a power vacuum, it doesn't automatically f- like it, like goodness and stability doesn't flow in, right? Like that's not how these things work. That's not that's anarchy never how they is not actually stable, right? And yeah, like. It, and stability requires control, and sometimes we hate those that are putting the control in. And for and and the hatred can be for great reasons. Like nobody says that control by its definition is good, but the absence of control does not does not stability does not naturally flow from that. Right? You have right. to come in with with an idea. You've got to come in with a plan. You've got to come in with resources. Like that's how you create stability. So in in major governmental transitions, the only ones that have been successful are those that actually get a hold of such resources and have a plan to start creating something like that. There's history's littered with stories of overthrows that then result in carnage because there is no solid plan that comes out of the result of it right and inevitably the difference maker oftentimes what ends up happening is the liberators become as corrupt and tyrannical as those they are trying to yeah uh o- topple yeah because because it's easier to stifle dissent than it is to work with dissent Yep. And when you're trying to create something out of nothing and you only have a small amount of decades to live, it is easier to trend towards cr- taking advantage of power if you have it. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, that is human nature right there. Right. And the, the, the long standing generations surviving methods of governance acknowledge that you've got to be creating something that will outlast you yeah and if and if it won't outlast you you aren't making a thing you're just having a party and right so here we are in this episode we got the party started yeah um but uh you know and and unless we come back and revisit this planet with some kind of like you know huge billions of dollars effort from the united <laughs> states government to rebuild an entire planet i doubt that all we've got out of this is you can sometimes solve your problems with a bullet. That's what I felt like we got out of this one. So I'm not really a fan of this one, but um, I was engaged. I, I, like at no point was I bored with this thing. And and I didn't think that the story did a particularly 
bad job of it. It just did it in a way that it was like, you know, you're you're conflating it and 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 the thing that you're deciding to land on, I disagree with. And now I've got just a problem. So that's where I'm at. What about you? What do you think? I uh, so I mean, right off the bat, Daniel feels guilty about everything, which actually really fits well with the Daniel character. Yeah. Um, but the, there is nothing subtle about that. They just take that and they go, bonk, bonk, bonk. Hey, everybody, I want you all to know that Daniel's feeling guilty about everything. Yeah. Period. I'm like, okay, um, there's no subtlety in there. Um, it fits the character, so it's not like it's out of bounds. I mean, it's it's perfectly there, but it's just, it's, there's no nuance in it yeah. at all. Um, I am absolutely fed up and tired with the boring trope that's, sorry. <laughs> Should I get the honk? Honk! Yeah, you can honk that. <laughs> so, the, the, the question of religion versus the enlightenment. Mm. It is a poor trope that is used poorly 99% of the time, and it's used too often. Mm-hmm. And it just makes me mad. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like th- this this whole idea that well, we have these people who believe in these ancient gods and and blah blah blah, and they're terrible, but uh, we're enlightened and we know what's true and what's you know. It's like, We've already gotten to the point in 2004 that we know that the Enlightenment was not near as happy or great as we think it is. Mm. So stop pretending. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry. And the the constant trope of saying those who are religious are inevitably villainous mm-hmm. is tiring. And it's not even done well in terms of the story. It's used only as a blunt club in this episode. And it just makes me mad. Um, it's, it's, it's boring. It's lazy. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't religious fanatics. I'm not saying that it's not a real problem. Mm-hmm. Those are true. But, but to... To simply say, well, they're unenlightened is uh, very modern, but it's it's laziness and it's not paying attention to what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. There are better ways of doing it. Uh, we talked about Battlestar Galactica just a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica has the same type of discussions of fanaticism and religion versus non-religious communities in both the Cylon and the human fleets. Mm-hmm. But does it in a way where the complexities of what's happening is true. And Damien Kindler takes this and just takes a moment and says, well, I'm going to use this trope over here and I'm going to build something on this trope. And it do- it's not doing anything. I'm upset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the love interest is absolutely and completely and totally contrived. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter to the story. Even in the commentary, Peter West said, it's a bit of a red herring. So if it's a red herring in a 43-minute show, why? <laughs> Cut it out. Put something better in there. Uh-huh. You know, you know or or if if you want that kind of romantic tension that fits in there, just just show it. And and don't 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 try to bonk bonk let it be implied. Right? SG1 has done a tremendous job throughout the seasons of 
playing the looks between Carter and O'Neill mm-hmm. to create a narrative while where 70% of Stargate fans at least ship the two of them yeah. and desperately <laughs> want them to get married. Yeah. Um, and, and that's done through subtlety and care. I understand that we'll probably never see this woman again. That's right. fine. But it's not. It's still possible to just create that tension without bonking you on the head with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and for God's sake, give her something other than the doughy-eyed look at our star. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> Don't hold back, Zach. Don't hold back. Yeah, so the dialogue in this episode... I have notes. I'm going through my notes here, right? Sure. The dialogue of this episode is flat yes it is so flat there is no depth you know uh, i i i feel like i'm watching a role-playing game (laughs) hey characters good dialogue of my role-playing game. oh no 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 i'm not saying don't (laughs) but but most of the npcs are designed to be two-dimensional because they're going to be throwaway character right and I get it. It's not unusual to have that. But it is, you can do better. Hold yourself to a higher standard. You know, you, you had time to flesh this out. It's not like your characters, like, turned left when you expected them to turn right. And now you have to figure out what the heck is left instead of right. And so you come up with this character and says, well, blah, 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 two-dimensional character because that's all I got because you gave me 30 seconds to figure it out. You had months to figure this out. <laughs> you can do better than this. <laughs> I'm, I'm chuckling because I'm recalling... Uh, I can't remember exactly which episodes I also have just yelled into my mic about how I've seen Stargate do better. <laughs> so yes. why are they doing this now? Um, you know, the the whole stuff about religious fanaticism and nationalist agendas fitting together and, and playing against each other does seem rather prescient, both for 2004 yes. and 2022. Yes, agreed. Uh, and, and I appreciate that. Um, but here again, it's all surface level. We don't actually talk about it. We don't actually think about it. We don't actually deal with it. It's just there. And yeah. I'm perfectly fine if it's kind of there in the milieu and we focus on something else. You know, if we wanted to focus on how is Daniel going to get home? Right. And all of this stuff is happening in the background. That's fine. But we want to tell the story of Daniel getting home and how this is all a big problem. And I don't, you know, you got 43 minutes to tell. Yeah. Pick a story. Pick a story. I don't care which one. And tell that one. <laughs> I mean, I care which one we tell because well, I think. Okay. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I think this is a little bit similar to the last week that we watched with Atlantis and that it would have been fine. It would have been a compelling story if we started with Daniel recovering from wounds and we ended with Daniel getting back home through heroism on the part of the people who live on the planet and the people of the SGC, which is where we ended. Yeah. Sort of. We had a detour, which let me rephrase that. Okay. If the story was about that, I would have liked that. And that's almost what we got. I was about to call 
you know, dude getting shot. I can't even remember any of the characters' names anymore. Um, guy getting shot. I was about to call that a detour. And you I mean you could even still kind of have that detour in the story of getting Daniel home, but instead it felt like it was front and center, right? And so Icon, what was Icon about? It was about Soren. I remember his name now, um, and that's because that's because Germany told me so, um, right? And so <laughs> you know, and so therefore this story is about Soren, right? So so talking about Icon was supposed to be a little bit of a, of a ploy, a little bit of a you know, because we do that in in English language television. Uh, episode naming what is the icon is it the gate is it uh this guy you know which one is it it's the guy um yeah and so this story that we got was about um a geopolitical conflict and i was about to get more specific but then i'm like i have to back it off like like no this thing was really really broad this was really 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 big in a 43 minute television show and that then I mean, you better tell a good story. Like you better tell a really good story that is believable. And even, I mean, it's just super thin ice. Every time that our heroes go to a planet full of a lot of people and try to embroil themselves into the geopolitical story, I'm interested because I like geopolitical stories. But each time, I'm pretty sure that I haven't been very uh, uh, kind about it because you can't tell a good story in a TV episode length. Not really. Not you, really. You're forced to cut corners. You're forced to use tropes. You're forced to make uh, concessions that end up leading the story down a watered down path. Or you end up, you know, the best case scenario you can hope for is to open up questions and your best best case is to open up questions that might not be thought about regularly and then leave them open. That's your best hope, right? Yeah. I guess another way you could have done it and done it well is if you really want to tell this geopolitical story is leave all three power groups at the brink of war and leave it open-ended. Go ahead and let Daniel be like, I, I think we have an obligation here. Go ahead and have Jack O'Neill be like, we really don't fade to black and let you feel like that conflict of like what is the right thing to do in these situations that's okay that's an okay story too but instead there we are, got this mishmash of these two and neither one told all that well i just got done saying that they did a good job or a decent job telling it and i'm actually now backing off of it as i'm thinking about it like it was okay and it was okay but together it's like it's like spaghetti that you didn't cook long enough so it's it's okay and like chocolate sauce that you didn't really do a good job mixing and you put those two things together and you're like what is this mess this is gross i don't like either this is not good this is an episode that tries to tell two different stories yeah it tries to tell the geopolitical story and it tries to tell the story of daniel trying to get home and subsequently feeling guilty about him causing this world war which it's not which he didn't but (laughs) but but you know so like 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 i i totally get that feeling from daniel sure that feeling like it's gotta be my fault why because it well it has to be clearly there there's some reason why it's my fault i just haven't figured it out yet yeah it's definitely my fault therefore it's my fault yeah exactly you know i i i get that uh you know that that's that's so you know tell that story or tell the geopolitical story. You can even have the geopolitical element be the story of what's going on with Daniel, 
Or you can tell the geopolitical story and have Daniel be a character in the midst of this. Yeah. I mean, so it's like you don't have, but they don't do either of them. Right. And then, and then basically the story ends with this sense that, well, enlightenment thinking wins the day. Mm-hmm. Thank God we're enlightened. I, I didn't take I didn't take it quite that far. I was um, though the general dude at the very beginning of the episode absolutely made that comment of like, yeah, that's a hocus pocus, that uh, superstition that people uh, that uh, that only dangerous people believe. It was said. It was absolutely said, and it was at the beginning that it. You know, even the even the the wooden and lackluster actions that uh, that you were kind of lambasting uh, at the very end when um, when uh, what's her face? Uh, oh boy, um, rebel 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 Stout, aid. Rebel she doesn't aid. have a name. Yeah. Rebel aid was 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 saying, you know, we're this is done. We're done now. And she gets shot for it. Like a whole bunch of people were standing around with guns and their flat looks on their faces. I was choosing to interpret as ambivalence, as in like, I'm not actually sure the right thing to do here is to take up your guns and go. He's trying, you know, so leader tries to give a stirring speech, doesn't seem to go anywhere. Leader then tries to show them what faith looks like. Leader then does not put down his gun, but starts to lift up his hands. Is he being treacherous or not? He just gets gunned down, right? But so much- of what I thought I was seeing was zealot activity, not religious activity. And I know that that is an important distinction that you're trying to make, Zach. But I'm saying, like, I didn't identify with the people being called zealots just because they believed in something. And therefore, it was a story of extremism. And that's why I went to Afghanistan with the thing. And So, that's the problem, though. I mean, so, this is an episode that tries to create zealots and none of them are zealous. With the exception of Soren. With the exception of one, yeah. yeah. But, um, like, this is something that, that confuses me, right? At the end, he shoots, so so the rebel aide says, we're done for, we're surrounded, we can't, we gotta, we gotta surrender, we gotta do something, right? Yeah. And so he shoots her. Right. Okay. Now, now this this fits that whole zealous, zealotry, extremist, yep. blah, 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 whatever you want to yep. do. Um, okay, that makes sense. And then he's like, let me show you what we can do. Yeah. And he takes his gun and... It, what's he doing? Right. He, he doesn't fight. He walks in there and he's like, gun me down. Um, and, and if his intention is martyrdom, right. that's fine. But there was no reason for him to walk out that door without, with the exception of that's what was on page 62. Yes. Right. Right. Um, you know, give, if, if he was trying to martyr himself, okay, then, there needs to be something that suggests that this is where this guy goes. That, that he is so convinced on this that, that he will allow himself to die for the sake of his belief in these gods. Mm-hmm. Which is, if, if that's who he is, that's fine, but that's not who we got. Right. We got a two-dimensional character. And, and if his goal to go out there is, let me show you what you do, you sacrifice everything for this, then he opens the door and he goes guns blazing, yes. and then he gets shot down. Right. That would make more sense. Yes. I was expecting that. But but we get nothing. We just get, hey, I'm out here. And he's like, bang, shoot yep. me. Um, it It's done badly. It's done poorly. And it just... Uh, 
and, and then my final final thoughts uh, is like, okay, here we are on another planet with a cold war that we have to deal with. Yeah, I can think off the top of my head two episodes have a have that have a similar background milieu. Yeah. One is the other side. This yep. is the episode with Rene Aubergeois. They go and uh, it's not. It, it's more of an active war than a cold war. But you do have these two sides that that are that are facing it off on this planet. Um, and you know who's the right, who's the wrong in that one. Yep. And then you've got Jonas's planet, which is actually a three-way cold war. Yeah. Um, which you know, it's just like, I, I'm not saying that cold wars don't happen on other planets. I'm just saying, don't just use the trope because it happens to be on page 47 of your trope manual. Use right. the trope because it's needed to tell the story that you're trying to tell. Well, but we're also in the zone of a television show. This is season eight. Yeah. Right? We're, we're in it because of the characters. We're in it because of the characters. And sure, there are... Problems, challenges that we would like to see our characters navigate, and we want to see our heroes navigate challenges that look similar to ours and do so in noble ways that make us inspired to behave similarly. But this yeah. is like this is like chicken feed at this point, right? Like the 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 scope of problem that the SGC now faces is like galaxy spanning, uh, you know, to, to get, to have a story so tightly focused on, on this feels like a season two type story. Yeah. Right. Give me more of the characters. I don't want, I don't want more care. I don't want more characters. I want, I want these characters yeah. and, and give me a situation that helps me feel connected to our heroes more like give me more teal for example give me more of the team anyway so i will say and this is you know it's like season eight has a radically different feel than the other seasons because Mm -hmm. hammond is not here yeah and your title character richard dean anderson colonel well formerly colonel now general o'neill yeah is is the general of the base and so the story is about O'Neill and Carter and Daniel and Teal'c, and it's about SG One, but SG One has three members now instead of four members. But right. you have that starring character who can't be in everything, but you still—they are struggling. And this is going to be one of my critiques of this season in general, especially early. Yeah, they struggle to figure out how do we write stories with this new reality because the stories have to be different now because Richard Dean Anderson isn't a main character yeah. anymore. Yeah. Uh, and we saw some of that in season seven, but less so because, you know, he was still part of SG-1. But, that's, but, I, but I feel like it's a swing and a miss. Like the aura of Jack O'Neill is its character is a character unto itself. You can you can talk about him and not have him in the scene and it still carries weight. We have so much knowledge and so much experience with this character that you don't have to 
you don't have to write the story with just the three of them. You can write the story with the four of them and have one of them not be there. And you can still have him be the general. You know what I mean? Like, 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 it, I'm not saying I it's agree. easy. I I'm agree. I'm not saying it's, it's not They're struggling. easy. But you don't have to say, well, Jack's not here. Therefore, Jack's not here. Like, you know, you can you can have the weight of Jack O'Neill. Like, <laughs> everybody can be walking around with bracelets of WWJD, right? You know, like, <laughs> hey, like, you know, like it, it could do it. It could it could carry water and that would help probably like do the transition because as time rolled on and we didn't see Jack doing things, then we would be fine with the three of them doing things because now we've seen them do that. You know what I mean? Like, anyway, all right. Yeah. All right. I, I, I have, I, I, I've come to the end of, of my rant. End of rant. Um, this episode fails for me. <laughs> all right. Is it, is it time to pass judgment? It is time to pass judgment. All right. Um, and uh, I'll let you go first. Okay. How many chevrons are you going to give this episode? All right. I do think I like this better than you. Um, I think, though, that part of that enjoyment was that I, it was my first time watching it. I, you know, I didn't know where this was going to go. And even though I was not satisfied where it went, and I didn't think it did a good job of where it went, I was, like I said, I was engaged in the story the whole time. Um, I don't know if the acting was good now that I'm really thinking about it. Like... Jack was kind of sassy Jack. Carter was like, you know, Major Carter. No, not Major. Colonel. Colonel Carter. Teal'c was kind of flat Teal'c. Daniel Jackson was Daniel, like, you know, Daniel Jackson to 11, almost, in this yeah. episode. Uh, supporting cast was not interesting at all. Just not interesting at all. It was shot fine. Storytelling was a little wonk. Directing seemed okay. Visually, it was fine and overall the story felt like i was eating undercooked spaghetti with chocolate chips in it not 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 good <laughs> so i'm gonna give this one i'm gonna give it a i'm i'm gonna give it a th nah i'm gonna give it a two i was gonna give it a three i can't justify a three it's a two it's not even it's if this came on i absolutely would just keep moving along and i gotta tell you if we never come back to this planet or this story then it really is super waste of time so two for me two out of seven what did you think so uh you know I, I really pulled you down. I, I think I did. I, mean, I guess I was I was on a three. That's not exactly high praise. Well, I understand, but I mean, uh, I'm not going to give this episode a one. Um, although I did think about it for a bit. Uh, it's not <laughs> it's not a dumpster fire. No, it really isn't. Um, I think the acting is actually pretty good, but I don't think that they were given much to work with. Um, our lead characters are not given anything to chew on with the exception of Daniel. Yeah. And Michael Shanks does a great job with that. So I'll, you know, kudos. Um, and then uh, the dialogue between Jared and Lita, um, or the, the dialogues that they have, um, you know, aren't, it's not exciting words, but they do a good job with it. Yeah. That scene yeah. when they are, I mean, aside from the fact that by the point, by the time we get to the point where Jared and Lita are talking about their own feelings for each other and her feelings for Daniel, aside from the fact that I don't care about right. that, right? They actually do a good job. Yeah. In any case, um, this is a two. Yeah. This this is it's not an absolute dumpster fire, but it 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 can be thrown in the dumpster as far as I'm concerned. As far as you can see. 
take this take this whole can just chuck it just chuck it right in the dumpster um you know so i'll spoil this for you uh we will actually see this planet again i just don't remember off the top of my head what the specifics therein are without okay. looking closer at what you know i'd have to look at that episode and like oh 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 yeah okay yep yep okay um i don't remember uh yep. we do see this planet again uh i think it's not till season nine or ten yep um but uh there you go yep okay uh, at least I'll get a little recompense in that, but mm, yeah. So, uh, but you know, aside from that, this is this is an episode that didn't need to exist. It didn't. Yeah. Um. So it's a two. All right. So, Brent, I have a confession to make. Yeah. Yesterday, uh, our quasi executive producer, showrunner, reminder yes. of things, Dave, yes. David. Mm-hmm. Um sent a message to us that said, hey, go do the things. Yes. And and I went to uh, YouTube, as I do, and I uploaded the promo for this episode onto YouTube, as uh-huh. I do, and, and I made a copy of that link, and I took it over to Facebook, as I do, and I typed in a nice little thing, hey, give me your predictions and all of that stuff, as, as I do. Yeah. And, and apparently, one of two things happened. Either A, I failed to hit the publish button, which is uh-huh. most likely, or B, after hitting the publish button, Facebook's algorithms saw the word fanaticism in there and decided to cut the whole thing off. <laughs> because we're such a hotbed for political activity here. <laughs> yeah, no, who knows? Uh, so apparently, and I didn't even realize this until late this morning when we were, you know, shortly before we were recording, that that uh, that didn't show up. So, dear listeners who normally respond to comments and thoughts on Facebook, um, I am sorry. I made a mistake. Well, you know what you could do? Yes. Did you publish it already or no? Uh, no. What you could do is you could publish it, and then this evening you could record all of the things, and then I could just jam it in. It would be real smooth-like. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I have, right, well, then just fess up on Facebook saying, oops. Yeah, I, 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 I'll do that here in a little bit. All right. Well, I got um, good news, Zach. Yes. Oh, good. Because I didn't have good news. So um, on the Twitters, uh, y- y- y'all know that I have not been a fan of anything <laughs> at all <laughs> except for discord and even then it's like I'm, I'm a leery fan of discord i'm just waiting for them to start monetizing it in some weird way that doesn't actually help but um twitter i've never been a fan of twitter let me rephrase that yes back in 2008 when i first had a twitter account i thought it was the bee's knees and like you know did all sorts of stuff with twitter but you know, having the Twitter account for the show was a, a sort of a necessary evil that I, you know, endured. Um, by no means does the platform of Twitter need to be a complete and utter catastrophe. And it very well may turn back from being a complete and utter catastrophe into something that's actually helpful and interesting and enjoyable. And I also understand and appreciate Ricky Gervais's point that not everything on Twitter is for you. I understand all of these things to be true. I don't like lining the pockets of some billionaire who can't understand the difference between information and misinformation. So I'm just kind of done. And because I have the ability to do that, because this is our podcast, not yours. You want to do it on Twitter? You can do it on Twitter. That's fine. You can do you. But I'm like, you know what? We're just going to play a little. We're just going to sunset this. So I was inviting folks to go over to Discord. And if you're listening to this and you're still not on the Discords, 
you don't have to join, but I'm just saying it's fun. It's a chat room. It's a chat room with nerds talking about Stargate. It's great. So I created a new channel in there, Zach, called Predictions. Woo. And I have two predictions to read. Oh, sweet. The first one is from Kenneth. Kenneth. Hi, Kevin. I'm reading Tanith, which is his handle on Discord, and I wanted to say Kevin, but Kenneth came out. <laughs> All right, Kevin, you are now Kenneth from now on. Kevin. Kevin wrote us. Hi, Kevin. Hi, he Ke- goes, hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I predict that you are going to find this episode horrible, awful, and in the words of Ergo, boring. Pretty, pretty close. Yep. Pretty close. Since I don't see a spot on the Facebook to write my prediction. When did he write this? He wrote this uh, yesterday yesterday night. <laughs> Since I yep. don't see a spot on the Facebook to write my prediction, I'll do it here. The episode, the episode Garbage and my second least favorite episode of the season. The episode was so boring. I didn't even want to take that many notes. Only a few. Why is the ring spinning? I thought that it didn't spin on other planets. Maybe because there's no DHD? But this is this is an incoming wormhole. We never see it spin for incoming wormholes. Yeah, good point. It does raise the interest. I find it interesting though that uh, somehow the wormhole technology uh, has information travel faster than the speed of light. Just saying. Well, there you go. Just saying. Number two, Daniel's lucky. He has gaps in his memory. I wish I had a gap in my memory covering up this episode. <laughs> 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 Number three, that hallway with the escape hatch looked a lot like redressing SGC hallway. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yep. Number four. Actually, they- I don't think it was, which is fascinating, but it does look an awful lot like a redress sure of the hallway. I mean, they probably use. Yeah, it, it looks a lot the same. Yep. Did they ever mention number four? Did they ever mention which ghoul would they worship? The god they worship might already be dead. SG-1 has killed, what, like, probably 15 by now? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's true. That, that, that's, all, that's all of that is true. All right, here comes the prediction. Ready? All right. I predict threes from both of you. Ooh. Very close. Yeah, we hated it even more than that. Yeah, that's true. I almost gave it a three. Uh, I, wasn't, I was never going to give this episode a three. The best thing about a bad episode is that I know next week's is better, right? Checking my notes. Yes, next week will be better. I'll see you in the Pegasus Galaxy. Pegasus Galaxy next week. Yes, sweet indeed. And then our second one is from Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. Oh, another episode that I don't remember watching. Ah, wait, now I remember. Meh. We start <laughs> with a beautiful young woman treating a very bandaged Daniel. Luckily. <laughs> lucky bastards as jack would say <laughs> yes man he looks all battered and swollen well at least he's not dead also he's found himself a new girl of the day mm-hmm. Ooh, he's the captain kirk of this uh this yes. here. the episode feels like they have mashed world war ii the cold war and our latest conflicts together and simply played it off for show value nothing this watching this now in november 2023 it's not 23 yet 23 uh, <laughs> In November 2022, it almost hits too close to home. This episode might provoke a big discussion regarding responsibilities. Did Daniel have to feel responsible for the course of events, or would it have been better if he just dealt with his helper syndrome via therapy? No kidding. After he, well, he seasons, needs some therapy. That's, that's for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. After eight seasons, I would say he could use some professional help. The <laughs> ending felt way too rushed. Soren simply walking off to get shot is not how dictators or cult leaders would react. Also, an international conflict does not get resolved like this. 
However, I can't expect writers to find solutions for problems our world leaders don't find. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's all true. That's that's true. That's fair. For me, it's a 3.5 out of 8 chevrons as a vintage, uh, as a vintage eye-loving soul. Oh, as a vintage loving soul, I like the aesthetics, but story-wise, the episode just crashed, uh, crashed the landing while being boring. For Z and B, I go with my gut feeling. Zach gives this a 3.5 chevrons, Brent a 3. No. No. Didn't like it even? No. 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 This, uh, no. Didn't I mean, like I, it that much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I yes. appreciate that, but uh, no. So that's all we've got on the discords. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, moving forward, dear listeners, uh, we will have that disc discord uh, predictions channel up there for uh, predictions of future episodes mm -hmm. um and i promise that i will try to do better with my posting things on facebook apologize for that i have no idea what happened i thought i hit the publish button and i probably didn't and then it all went away and and i had a busy day yesterday so all i good. didn't notice it all so good. i apologize about that well, Brent. Yes. Next week. Hold on. Yes. You didn't read emails. Oh, I forgot the emails. <laughs> I had a feeling like like I could just sense like, oh, Zach forgot about the emails, didn't he? But I just wanted to let you go. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just no, to let no, you do your he, thing. He, nope. Bring it back. Uh, okay. Uh... <laughs> See, now you got to get yourself prepared, right? Like yep. now you got to go over here. You got to click on that. Pull this uh, up. But we do have an email from David. Hi, David. David says, this is iconic Chevron encoding. Stop, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, David says, I don't really like this episode. Not the first time I watched it, not the second time, and not the last time. Yeah. It's just all over the place and does not work for me. What I said last week about liking a good non-linear story, this is not one of those good non-linear stories. Yeah, yeah. Nothing new was added to the Stargate universe. The team travels to another planet, publicly revealing to the local populace an ancient mysterious relic to actually be a gateway to other planets. Been there. The stories yep. of the old gods are true, triggering a conflict. Done that. Yep. Daniel has to be rescued for some reason. I got the t-shirt. <laughs> Two chevrons from me. Oh, yeah. That being said, I've been totally wrong in my predictions of late, so I'm going to... Uh, going against my better judgment here and predict Brent will give the six chevrons because he forgot all about the other times these plot points were used before. I'm sorry, and Zach David. is going to give the six chevrons because the issues raised of the justification and defense of faith intrigue him on a professional level. No, they're not even that good. They're terrible. <laughs> Oh, David, you should have went with your guts. Oh, well. Oh, well. oh, well. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, no, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from in trying to be opposite. But but those justifications and defenses of faith, are, <laughs> I, I, I would be intrigued if they were good. But they're bad. They're bad. They're bad. They're not good. They're, they're, they're tropish at best. All right. Sorry. So that's all right. Um, now that I have now done the emails, now I say, Brent, mm -hmm. <laughs> next week, I would say we are going to watch the next episode of Stargate Atlantis. However, yeah. next week, we are oh, taking yes. 
a week off yes uh from this because i have something next saturday and yes. can't make it work uh yes. we are planning to record some second chances stuff for the yep. patreon yep. so pay attention to that patreon listeners and and such and all of that stuff um and we'll i don't know brent you'll put something up next week if you want oh no 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 i'm not gonna put up something Zach. oh oh i'm not going he, to say what i'm going to put up but it's brent going is going to put up something yes yes um, i will so uh look up for that next week uh, and then we'll keep going with Atlantis in two weeks from recording this. Yes. Uh, that episode, Brent, yes. is the Atlantis episode, Suspicion. Uh-huh. And I ask you what Suspicion is all about. Suspicion. Next time on Stargate Atlantis, our friends are once again poised with an undoubt... And, 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 our friends are once again positioned against all odds to find a way to get through to another point where they once again find themselves in terrible danger. Indeed, they have discovered that they are quickly once again running out of energy because that seems to be the theme for the past several episodes. They need to find another ZDP. No, zero point module. ZPM. ZPM. And of course, there's only one way that they can do that. That is to travel. Travel far and travel wide to find themselves more ZPMs. But back on home base, there seems to be trouble. You see, the power is depleting much faster than what they had expected. Is this another energy-eating creature? Munch, munch, munch. They seem to have trouble with that once before. No, this seems to be something else entirely. Perhaps they have once again found themselves stuck in a wormhole. No, that makes no sense. Quit being silly, Brent. Uh, they have themselves a troubling problem. So, what they decide to do is they decide to investigate. See, one person who is colored blue goes over in this direction, and one other person who's colored red goes off in that direction. A third person who's colored pink stays here, and a fourth person who is colored yellow travels through ladders to find themselves inside ducts, and they just travel all over the city. But, suddenly, an alarm is raised. Murder! Murder of the most foul kind! Oh one my of them has been goodness. discovered as dead! Dead, I say. And so they all gather together and they say, who did it? And they point fingers in different directions and f nobody knows. So they all go out again and they try to discover what is going to happen. And then the cry is raised again. Murder! Murder most foul! Oh no! And so they all gather together and then this time there starts to become consensus. And they point to the person who's wearing orange. And they say, that person is the murderer. And so they chuck him into the sea. Oh only my. to have some little, like text float over saying you have not caught the imposter oh no so sus how are they going to get through it all with there's a, a suspicion among us join us next time on stargate atlantis for suspicion my goodness yeah how how you think you think it's gonna be a murder mystery well there really is only one way to find out okay and that's to watch the promo well, actually, oh, okay. the the one way is actually to watch the episode, but Which we can't do that time. yet, so we're going to tease it by watching the promo. Sounds good. All right. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm hitting play now. Next time on Stargate Atlantis. Raise the shield. 
Oh, no! Oh. Another failed mission provokes suspicions yes. on Atlantis. Makes it the fifth time your team's encountered the race. Out of how many missions? Nine. I think it's pretty damn obvious now. We've got a spy in Atlantis. Oh, no. Oh, no. Atlantis on the line. Everyone is suspect. What are you suggesting? I'm not suggesting anything. You think I would betray my own people? Jeopardize the life of my son? Sorry, ma'am. You can't come up. I'm on my way to see Dr. Weir. That area is off limits. The presence of a Wraith collaborator threatens us all. Then you support Dr. Weir's decision to confine us? It's all next time on Stargate Atlantis. Whoa. We dropped that shield and who knows what you'll bring through that gate with her. Open up the damn gate! Okay! Oh! Wow. That's 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 not like the video game Among Us at all. That is that is not. It is no. not. But it is all about suspicion, apparently. Yes. Okay. We gotta we gotta get this team to gel. Gotta find uh, gotta find ways to get these, these these people to quit being uh quit being so suspicious. Absolutely. Oh, all right. Absolutely. Well, we will find out next time. Next next time. Yes. Uh what suspicion is all about. So you please join us then and Hold your breath. Don't actually hold your breath, because it's a week from now before the something special comes out. Yes, and yeah, don't, and, don't, and don't, you people don't survive well by holding their breath for for a week. No, usually um, it's only a couple of minutes. And then but 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 with bated breath, pay attention oh. to next time when we we do show something. Uh, uh, show give you something. Uh, I hope you enjoy. You're gonna uh, love it. I know you're gonna love it. So. Um, with that, uh, tell us what you think about this episode yeah. uh, and all of the episodes and such. You can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. You can, of course, yep. go to the Facebooks, Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group. Yep. I guess you can go to the Twitters, but sure. that's, you know, whatever. You can, that. uh, you can go to the Discords, right? Because we got the cool Discords things yeah. going on and you can predict things and, and talk to people and have fun there. Go to our website, WGTS.space. Space! And then uh, all of those things. And with that... I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs>